Hi, and welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. This is a sermon recording taken from one of our regular church services. You can find out more about us as well as more recordings like this one on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. Good morning. Uh, I have the uh, privilege of preaching again uh, this morning. Uh, It's really nice while Jason and Margaret are away. And um, thank you. Uh, This morning we're going to be looking at uh, uh, continuing our series in Joshua. And as Joe, thank you for reading, as Joe read in uh, Joshua 20 verse 1 to 9, and we're going to be looking at the justice and the mercy of God. But before I get into it, I'm just going to pray. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you that we can do that in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for the book of Joshua. And we also just thank you that it is your word. We just help us that you help us through your spirit to understand your words. And I just ask for your help, particularly for me, that I deliver those words faithfully. I need your help, Lord. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, how are we going? (laughs) Yeah, cool. All right, because I got nothing. I'm going completely off the slides. All right, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually uh, just reread uh, verse 1 to 6 uh, and uh, just kind of break it down. But before I do, um, when I first found out that I was preaching on this particular passage, I read it and I was like, I got nothing. I was just, I, I just went blank. So. Um, I'd never read it before, and so this last two weeks, uh, it's been a real big learning experience, and now I have this real appreciation for this particular chapter, and I get the uh, privilege of sharing that with you this morning. All right, let's read. It's up on the screen there, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yep. All right, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate these cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When they flee to one of these cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state their case before the elders of that city. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into the city and provide a place to live among them. If the avenger of blood comes in pursuit, the elders must not surrender the fugitive because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally and without malice aforethought. They are to stay in that city until they have stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then they may go back to their own home in the town from which they fled. All right. So our passage this morning is about these six cities of refuge. But before I get into that, I want to just tell you a little bit about the Jewish justice system, their legal system, right? It was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in other words, a life for a life. So according to God, the just and correct punishment for murder 
is death. So they practice the death penalty. And according to God, this is the right penalty for the crime. And commonly, it was actually a family member of the victim that would actually carry out the punishment of this, um, of this crime. So, for example, if someone took the life of someone, the, a family member of the victim could legally take the life of the murderer. And this person was called the avenger of blood. Right? This is what we've read here. And these six cities of refuge have been designated so that uh, in the case of someone who has accidentally murdered, oh, look at that. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, so the, the, these six cities of refuge have been appointed in the case of accidental murder. And the um, person could, because they would still have an avenger of blood coming after them, right? So they could then flee to one of these cities where they would then present their case before, before the elders of the city. They'd be like, look, I killed someone. It was an accident. I've got this guy coming to get vengeance on me. I need, I need help. And then where they would then open the gates, they'd go in and they'd be protected. Which brings me to my first point that I want to just look at is that God is just. Right? God is just. Because in our reading, we actually see that this system with the cities of refuge, this is not just set up by my man. The Israelites didn't just come up with this. It's actually a command by God. It actually says that it was commanded by God through Moses. And at this point, Moses is not alive anymore. Right? This, this was commanded before they even entered the promised land, Canaan. Uh, I, I found the actual verse where God commands this in Numbers 35, up on the screen there. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. Right? So this is God's system. It's a legal system set up by God. And I think if we can say that this is God's system, then we can actually tell a lot about God. We can learn something about God through this. Is that if God says that it is just for a murderer to be punished by death, it would seem that according to Joshua 20, it would seem that God actually says it is unjust to penalize someone who accidentally murders in the same way as someone who intentionally murders, right? It's actually unjust. And this shows us something about God is that he's not just black and white with his judgment. He's not just saying, oh, you've done the crime, so you do the time. You know, he's actually looking at all the circumstances around the sin, everything, everything in consideration. He actually sees, hey, he's done it accidentally. He doesn't deserve the normal punishment for murder. God is a fair judge. I was first um, challenged by this uh, when I was studying ethics at Trinity College. And I remember the lecturer actually said to the class, he said, is it wrong to lie? Tell me if I'm going too fast. <laughs> he said, is it wrong to lie? And in myself, I'm like, yeah, 
it's wrong to lie. And he goes, is it always wrong to lie? I'm like, yeah, it's always wrong to lie. It's in the Bible, right? And uh, he says, okay, I want you to imagine that you're in World War II in, in Nazi Germany. And uh, in your house, you've got a couple of Jewish people in your house. And a German soldier comes and knocks on your door. And he's actually looking for Jewish people. And he's going to take them and execute them. And, and he asks you, do you have any Jewish people in your house? And I was like, whoa, like, is it always wrong to lie, right? No, and I, I think that in our reading this morning, by this legal system that God set up, we can see that God actually, he looks at everything around the sin. He judges fairly. So no, he's not going to punish lying if it's to preserve life. I take a lot of comfort in this, knowing that when everyone stands before our holy God and he's going to judge us, he's going to actually judge fairly, right? He, I, I reckon he's even going to like, you know, consider things like mental illness, our upbringing, the circumstances around our sin, everything he's going to consider. I still think that all of us are definitely going to be deserving of a punishment but I just take comfort knowing that he's doing that fairly. It's not an unthought-out process. All right, I've um, lost my thing here. All right, let's move on. Cool, did it for me. All right, so I want to now look at um, some of the words of our Lord. And uh, in John 5.39, Jesus is speaking to uh, the religious leaders of his day, and he says this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Essentially, I I like what Jesus has done here. He's kind of saying, like, look, you're half right. You study the scriptures because in them you have eternal life. But they testify about me, and in me there's eternal life. Now, so Jesus is saying the scriptures, that means the Old Testament, because at the time, at this time, there is no New Testament yet. So the scriptures, that's the Old Testament, and Jesus is saying that the Old Testament testifies about him, right? So if that's true, that means that we should be able to go and read our Old Testament and find Jesus, at least things that testify about him, right? Things that reflect him in some way, things that point to him. Now, if you haven't actually done this study, like gone and looked at Jesus in the Old Testament, I highly recommend it. It's, it's really cool because you'll be surprised. Jesus is right. He is everywhere in the Old Testament, constantly talking about Jesus. It's really cool. Highly recommend to do that. But why I bring this up is that I believe that our reading this morning, uh, Joshua 20, about these cities of refuge, are actually a reflection of Jesus. And there's lots of parallels between Joshua 20 and Jesus, our salvation in Jesus specifically. So I want to take some time in actually having a look at those points, just a couple of these parallels that stood out to me. I probably am not going to cover them all, okay? Uh, So the first one is that Jesus is our city of refuge, right? In In a sense that like we have committed sin and we're deserving of a punishment. There's a punishment that's going to come on us. But when we are in the refuge of Jesus, that penalty no longer comes upon us, right? So in in a sense, he's like our city of refuge. 
That's the obvious one. <laughs> the next one that I see is that before we enter, all right, before we enter the city of refuge, in Joshua 20, the fugitive that's running away, seeking refuge, they don't just run into the city, right, just whenever they want. It actually says that they had to come before the gate of the city and actually present their case before the elders. And then once they had done that, then the gates would open and they could go in where they would be protected. And as Christians, we know that that is actually very much similar to the way that we become Christians, right? We don't just mosey on into Jesus like whenever we feel like it. We actually have to first come before Jesus. We have to confess our sin, acknowledge our guilt, right? We ask for forgiveness and we repent. And then, and only then, do the gates of Jesus open where we can enter and we are in refuge from the penalty that we are deserving of. I think that that's pretty neat, okay? This, this, this parallel will become more and more clear as we look at more. All right. The next one is that our salvation was planned by God in advance. We just read earlier that God actually planned these cities of refuge through Moses before they even entered the land, right? Like in advance, it's God's plan in advance. In the same way, I've got this, I love this verse. So um, I'm just finding an excuse to use this verse, okay? So um, 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. I love this, right? Our salvation was planned by God before the beginning of time. So again, I think that that's intentional. I think God's done this parallel intentionally. It's before the beginning of time, just like the cities of refuge in Joshua 20. The next, this one blew my mind, okay, I hope it does to you as well. Uh, this is, uh, salvation is for both Jews and Gentiles, right? And to us, we're like, yeah, we know most of us are Gentiles, if not all of us, right? And we're obviously saved, which is awesome. But this was really quite a big deal for even the apostles of the first century, right? Even like Peter. He kind of didn't know this. He didn't know this concept completely. Well, I think it was around Acts chapter 10, probably don't quote me on that, where um, uh, Cornelius uh, comes like the first Gentile believer. And, yeah, so this was kind of a big deal to the first century church that um, Gentiles actually became uh, Christians, that salvation was to all people. But what's really cool is that in our reading this morning is it actually says... That here on, on the screen there, it says, any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities. Right? I love this. Like this is saying any Israelites or any Jew or any foreigner, any Gentile can flee to these cities. Right? And of course that means that they can both utilize these cities of refuge that God has set up. But when we're paralleling that to our salvation in Jesus, this is literally the Old Testament saying salvation is to both Jews and Gentiles. That just like that's really cool. That's like a God thing, you know. It's like it's in there. 
It's really, really awesome. It excites me anyway. Um, all right, the next one is this character of the high priest. You may have seen it. The high priest that's actually in, um, in Joshua 20. I'll reread that verse. I think it would be good. There it is. All right, so Joshua chapter 20, verse 6 says, They are to stay in that city until they have stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at the time. Then they may go back to their own home in the town from which they fled. So according to Joshua 20, the fugitive that's taking refuge can stay in there until the death of the high priest. So the high priest, when the current high priest that's serving, when he was to die, um, the fugitive would then have to go back to their hometown and um, that's where they were fleeing from in the first place. So essentially they were only under the protection of the city as long as this high priest was alive. And it actually says, uh, if we read further on, what wasn't now reading this morning, is that if they die and their, their, their bones, even their bones are meant to be kept in that city until the, the death of the high priest. So even after death, uh, they are to um, stay in the city and then after the high priest dies, they are, their bones are to be shipped out. But I'm not 100% sure on the relevance of this for the Israelites of the day. Um, But as we're paralleling to um, our salvation in Jesus, is we have to ask ourselves a question, is who is our current high priest? In Hebrews 4.14, it says... Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So Jesus is our high priest. And this statement is given after he has already ascended, right? That means he's already died, he's already risen again. And he's already conquered death. He's never going to die. So at this point, we have a high priest that's never going to die. So that means for us who are in the city of refuge, it means that because our high priest is eternally living, that we're eternally sheltered in the city of refuge. We're never going to be kicked out, you know. And I think that this is, again, that's an intentional truth. It's really beautiful. This is like an assurance of salvation passage. You know, where it's like, um, once we're saved, we're always saved. It's, it's this beautiful kind of assurance that we're actually, um, it, once we're in the city, um, we're never going to be kicked out. It's nice. All right, so that's all the parallels I'm going to actually share this morning. And I apologize if you can see more. Feel free to actually come and tell me if you see more. Um, I'm sure I have missed some. But if you're anything like me, and it's going to be funny if you've been this person, you're going to be asking the question, what's the obvious, uh, what about the obvious difference? And this actually, I really struggled with this um, when I was actually looking at those parallels, but I think that this is intentional. So I'll just tell you if you missed it. The obvious difference is, is that in Joshua 20, the cities of refuge is only for those people who accidentally committed murder, or in, in other words, accidentally sinned, right? So have we only accidentally sinned against God? 
I know I haven't, right? Like, I have intentionally sinned against God. And I know I can say the same for everyone else. But again, I think that this difference is intentional because it gives us the problem, right? And it points us to the gospel. Points us to the gospel. I want you to imagine that you are the murderer in Joshua 20 and not the one that's like accidentally murdered. You're actually the murderer that has intentionally murdered, okay? So you've killed someone intentionally. And now you have one of their family members, the avenger of blood, coming after you, justly seeking vengeance, and and, and they want justice, right? And they're coming, they're looking for you, and they finally find you, but as they get to you, all of a sudden, Jesus steps out, and he says, I did it. I murdered him. Where the avenger of blood then kills Jesus, And as far as the avenger of blood is concerned, their sense of justice, their need for justice has been satisfied. And they walk away. Yet somehow we, who are the actual murderer, go free. This is the gospel, right? We share a lot of similarities with this murderer, the intentional murderer. Because in Romans 6.23... It tells us that the wages of sin is death. So just like the penalty for murder is death, it says the wages of sin is death. That means the wages, it's like, it's a, we've earned the penalty. We've earned that punishment. We're deserving of it, right? So who have we sinned against? We've sinned against God, right? So God is our avenger of blood. God is coming. God God is seeking justice. God has vengeance and wrath against sin. Yet Jesus still, right, Jesus steps out before God's wrath gets poured on us, and he actually says, I did it. I committed the sin, and he takes the penalty. This is the solution. It's, it's the gospel. Second Corinthians verse 5.21, I love this. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's plan. God did it. God's not only the avenger of blood, but God's also the provider of Jesus. And him who had no sin, God, Jesus was completely innocent. He, had, he, he hadn't committed this crime. But he became sin for us. That means that his guilt is legally transferred to us, right? Legally transferred to us. And he dies in our place so that we stand like as if we didn't actually commit the crime. The justice has been had. Our God is the most just, the most just. So that means like perfectly just. And our God is the most merciful. So the perfect mercy, right? A balance, right? But the 
thing is, is that if God, right, if he just forgave everyone of their sin, he would be merciful, right? He'd be really merciful. But this, he wouldn't be just. He'd be merciful, but just perfectly merciful, but not just. And if God punished everyone for their sin, as they deserve, he'd be perfectly just, but he wouldn't be merciful. Neither of these two are our God. Our God is perfectly merciful and perfectly just. And this is why we have the gospel. In Jesus, we see God punish all sin. He punishes all sin. Completely, perfectly just. Not a single sin goes unpunished. But he does it upon his son. He provides a way for us to get out. Showing a tremendous act of mercy. Mercy and justice perfectly displayed in our God. In the cross. I want to just, um, before I finish, I want to just uh, draw my attention to anyone here that might not be a Christian or on our live stream. If you are not a Christian, I want you to realize that, first off, that the God of the Bible is the one and only true God, but also that you have sinned against him intentionally. And I think that, that, I think that you know that. And uh, he has provided a way for you to not be judged for your sin. He is going to judge it. He's going to judge your sin, but he's provided a way um, for you to place your guilt upon Jesus where he will die in your place. Now, our culture seems to say that there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways to God. You know, there's lots of ways to heaven. There's lots of ways for forgiveness. But that's a lie. There's not lots of ways. It's either your sin is going, because God's just, right? Either your sin is going to be punished on you or it's going to be punished on Jesus. There's only two ways. That's it. So I really pray that you actually actually come before Jesus and like we looked at you come before him you confess your sin you ask for forgiveness and you can actually become have a relationship with God because it's actually our sin that separates us from God but when we place our guilt legally when Jesus becomes our sin our sin goes on to Jesus where we now we now stand as if we have never sinned right so many, like there are other religions out there that quite often, Judaism, Islam, there are a lot of religions out there who generally have this kind of like cleaning rituals or, um, or slaughtering of the animals and things like that so that we can come before God, right? But in Jesus, the reason we don't do that is because we literally, when we have placed our sin on Jesus, it's as we didn't do it. We can come before God as boldly as Jesus himself can come before God. I urge you, please, I pray for you. It's so awesome. It really is to know God. And you can know that God. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for your mercy, and we thank you for your justice, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus, and you are just so awesome. Thank you for the book of Joshua and these parallels that we can look at, and also thank you, Lord, for that difference, how it points to you. 
yeah, your, your justice is so clearly displayed in your legal system that you've set up. Please um, just hear us now, and I pray for everyone in the world that they would come to know you. And I pray this for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us today. And extra thanks to those that have donated to us online. It's your generosity that enables us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. If you would also like to support us, visit ybc.church give. You can also access our website to find out more about our community by visiting yokinebaptist.church or by connecting with us on Facebook. If you've enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and God bless.